Whether you drive a car, need a car, or just occasionally bum a ride with friends, you've come to the right place. Join the editors of Consumer Guide Automotive as they break down everything that's going on in the auto world. New car reviews, shopping tips, driving green, electric cars, classic cars, and plenty of great guests. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. Here's your host, Tom Appel. All right, this is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, please check us out at consumerguide.com. Be sure to check out our 2020 Best Buy Picks. This list is an excellent starting place if you are looking for a new car or crossover. You'll also want to check out our blog for complete reviews of all the vehicles we're driving here at Consumer Guide, plus all sorts of fun car-related stuff. You can also stream back episodes of the Car Stuff podcast right there on our homepage, which you absolutely want to do. All right, let's see who is with us online today. She is the driving force behind the Drive She Said blog. Welcome, Jill Simonello. Ah, thank you. Thank you. Good to be here this week. I have lost count, but I think this is week 14 without a proper donut. You know, I mean, they all, all the weeks just kind of blend together these days. They blur together. They just blur. It could be week one. It could be week 501. It's yes. <laughs> and it feels like week 501. <laughs> All right. He is the senior editor here at Consumer Guide. He's president of the Midwest Automotive Media Association, and he has never eaten a hostess Susie Q. Welcome, Damon Bell. That's because there is no such thing as a hostess Susie Q. Say what? Isn't so? Isn't a Susie Q like a... Uh, I don't believe that's a Hostess brand snack cake. No, it is. It's the large square unfrosted thing. Um, hmm. We'll have to do research. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I was getting that mistaken with a Little Debbie product. (laughs) And and, (laughs) uh, you're wrong. I have had a Suzy Q. It's probably been uh, 35 years, but I've had one. You have. Okay. You're going to need to update your bio. Yeah. I. You got a lot of incorrect information there. A, a strangely, a strange amount of it, yeah. All right, kids, after the first break, we chat with Auto Channel Chicago correspondent Larry Knudsen about his extended time with the 2020 Cadillac XT6 midsize crossover. Larry will share the sort of insight that comes from spending quality road time Uh, road trip time with a new car or truck. You don't want to miss this. But first, we have all sorts of news to talk about this week. Jill, what, what, what have you got? Uh, yeah, so the industry has kind of been a buzz this week about the JD Power initial quality study, and um, that was released on uh, was it Tuesday? Again, all the days are blending together at this point. <laughs> um, but uh, so that was re- we'll just say it was released this week, and sure. uh, basically what the initial quality study is is it looks at the first ninety days of ownership. So this isn't like the first three years of ownership. It's not. Um, you know, an extended period of time. It's just your your um, honeymoon period with your vehicle, and what it measures is the number of problems experienced per 100 vehicles. So um, the lower the score, the better the quality uh, is basically the end of that. And um, so the interesting thing that happened this week, first off, Dodge was basically number one on the top of this initial quality study, which I think has never happened before. And and, and the other interesting thing is that most domestic brands were above the industry average. So in addition to Dodge, you had Chevrolet, Ram, Buick, GMC, Jeep, and Cadillac all performing better than the overall industry average. And so the industry average is 160 problems per 100 vehicles. And Dodge topped you know, that list at only 136 problems per 100 vehicles. So um, I, I just I find that fascinating. And I think that it's, again, really, really important to point out that this is for the first 90 days of the ownership right. of the vehicle. Um, and, and I, you know, we were talking offline, uh, this does not reflect the dependability study, which is another JD power study that also is, uh, released. Yeah, we I think should that was a, a bit. couple weeks ago or yeah, a we month ago. A bit. 
about what this this report really is. This 90 day yeah. thing is really interesting. And it's yeah. a great metric of how people perceive their vehicles when they first buy it. But one of the things and this is in the J.D. Power press release. One of the things that drives this these days is the infotainment system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There are, mm-hmm. The systems are so complicated and so difficult for people to use that a lot of these complaints have nothing to do with anything related to a malfunction, but more confusion about how a system works. And and to Dodge and to FCA, Fiat Chrysler's credit, the Uconnect system that is in most Dodge and Chrysler and, and Ram products and Jeep mm-hmm. products is fairly simple and fairly intuitive to use. Additionally, this this initial quality that has to do perception that has to do with infotainment is one of those things that can be squared away to a large extent when the vehicle is delivered a good mm-hmm. dealer with a good dealership system that that actually explains the way this stuff works is probably in a better position than other manufacturers or other brands where they don't get down to brass tacks about how this stuff works when you take delivery of the car right the the other thing that occurs to me uh, and yeah not to uh, diminish uh, the achievement because it's definitely an achievement. But as I'm looking through Dodge's current model lineup, uh, this is what their model lineup is: uh, the Dodge, Ch- the Challenger, uh, the Charger, the Durango, the Grand Caravan, and the Journey. Uh, and as you go down that line, all of those are pretty old, basic design mm-hmm. vehicles. Uh, none of those have been redesigned uh, from the ground up. Uh, has it even been a decade? Right. It's, you know, mm. So there have been in- incremental improvements, but relative to the rest of the industry, the core Dodge lineup is old architecture. And I wonder if that factors into uh, that there's not, you know, people who buy these vehicles at some level kind of know what they're getting uh relative to uh, a newer designed vehicle. So that probably has some beneficial effect on the the initial quality stuff, because there's not going to be those things that will be a left field like, whoa, I didn't notice that that uh, lever or button was there where I didn't <laughs> like it. So that there there's a familiarity possibly with all these that, that could bolster those uh, ratings because they they're familiar vehicles. Yeah, well, you know, and, and another interesting thing about this study, too, is, uh, you know, if you scroll through um, the, the entire study at the bottom, it talks about the highest initial quality models. And, and so they'll go through each segment. So small car, midsize car, you know, pickup trucks, all, you know, SUVs, all of that. And if you look at the actual cars that get the best ratings, there's only one Dodge vehicle on that list. And it isn't the highest ranked one. So it gets the number two slot for a large car. Um, so I, you know, I, I, I was saying offline too, that like the initial quality study and the JD power studies in general always confuse the snot out of me because, you know, here you have Dodge, which is, you know, the number one brand, um, in terms of initial quality, but only one of its vehicles makes the top rated list. And it's the same thing with Ram, you know, Ram was rated the, the highest, pickup truck brand, basically. And um, it doesn't have a single vehicle that makes the model list. So I, I mean, it's, it, it's an interesting paradox in my brain about how the, the models are perceived versus the actual brand. So, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of moving parts here and, and there's a lot of good nuggets. Uh, but it's, it's again, it's you have to kind of dig a little deeper. Yeah, and to Damon's point about Dodge and fleet return ownership, if there's nothing there to surprise you, there's nothing there to complain about. Um, that's largely the case with Ram too. Once you get away from the Ram 1500 pickup, most Ram products are fleet, and fleet owners don't like surprises, and those vehicles don't change much. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're seeing a lot of uh, a lot of support in these numbers that come from repeat usage of vehicles that do not change a lot. Right. I think the other thing to mention here, uh, Dodge was in that top slot, but it wasn't there by itself. Uh, the Dodge was actually tied with Kia uh, uh, in that uh, top spot in the initial quality study. And frankly, to my way of thinking, having Kia there is is a, a bigger achievement because Kia does have 
plenty mm-hmm. of uh, recently redesigned vehicles, the Kia Soul right. um, that you know just hit last year. So uh, that seems a uh, uh, more of a genuine uh, uh, achievement on on Kia's part. The other uh, aspect of this, um, Tesla is at the bottom <laughs> of this study. Uh, and I think it's very interesting that Tesla uh, wouldn't let J.D. Power do its normal survey process with those vehicles. Yeah, this vehicles. is an asterisk number, but it is by far and away the worst on the list. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we should go down this list real quick. We have Dodge and Kia in first place. Chevrolet, I don't think a lot of people would have picked them for third place. Ram in fourth, Genesis in fifth. And then it's kind of a surprise, Mitsubishi in sixth, because if we're talking about uh, complicated uh, infotainment systems. I think Mitsubishi le- leads the list in confusing uh, <laughs> and difficult to, to use infotainment systems. Um, we will probably want to have someone from JD Power on the show at some point to explain these numbers to us because there's a lot going on here. And I mm-hmm. wanted to talk a little bit about the vehicle dependability study, uh, one in which Dodge does not fare well, but that's an entirely different study. That is a measure of three year old vehicles. So we will get back to this at some point. But, Damon, you've got some news, too, about Mitsubishi. Yeah. So uh, in automotive news recently, there was an article uh, with the title, Mitsubishi Signals It May Pull Back in U.S. And uh, Mitsubishi recently had its annual shareholders meeting. Um, and the the photo that ran in the automotive news article is kind of a, awesome. Yeah. Or, or <laughs> creepy. That's, uh, Yes, I'd say both of those apply. It's uh, it's a very uh, state of the the present day uh, photo with a U-shaped uh, conference room table and a big uh, Mitsubishi Motors podium, and every uh, suit wearing executive in the photo is facing the camera and wearing a, a face mask. Uh, so it's it's an oddly creepy image, and and I uh, applaud them for. Uh, wearing the mask, but uh, definitely a, a very 2020 looking picture. And this, the, this the news- I, This is how I picture the tribunal of people who are going to tell me I'm not getting into heaven. This we're looking exactly <laughs> like this. Wow, that's uh, that's uh, nightmare fodder right there. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, but I cut you off there. Yeah, uh, well, now I'm, I have to contemplate that. Uh, yeah, the, the harsh light shown on you, like kind of a spotlight that you're standing in. Is there a trap door that falls that you that opens and you fall through it when everyone gives the thumb down thumbs down vote for your prospects? And I end up, or haven't in, you thought? I end up back in Morton Grove, Illinois, which I did not realize was eternal damnation. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, so the 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 news from the shareholders meeting uh, was not uh, rosy, and Mitsubishi is is signaling that it or is basically stating that they are pulling out of what they term mega markets and focusing on um, more domestic markets where they've got uh, you know more momentum. Uh, and I think if you want to nutshell it. Uh, you can look at Mitsubishi's own title for its recent uh, initiatives. Um, so th- their previous business plan uh, was called Drive for Growth. So yes, that sounds uh, proactive, uh, pushing yeah. forward. You want to know what the what the new plan is called? Go ahead. Select <laughs> selection and concentration. Wow. That's that quite a shift, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Grow where you can. Yeah, retreat. So, retreat. and and Tom, you were you. We've we've kind of had discussions about this. It's it's your opinion that this is a portent of Mitsubishi just pulling completely out of the U.S. market. Correct. Yeah, they've they brought in some product in the last couple of years, and, and they've none of that stuff has caught fire. We all know mm-hmm. about the Eclipse Cross, which is a small crossover that was supposed to be kind of a sport back sporty alternative to other small crossovers and they, they can't give the thing away. And I don't know how their lineup came to be what it is now, but they have three small crossovers that are within yep. $2,000 of each other in mm-hmm. terms of base price. There's not a lot going on there. And then they have the Mirage, which is one of the most unpleasant to drive vehicles you can buy in the U S. Yeah. 
Really, I think if you if you polled automotive journalists as to what the worst vehicle currently sold in the U.S. would be, I would wager Mirage would probably win that contest. Yeah, and and, and those small crossovers aren't bad, but there's not a lot of variety there, and they're not they're not covering any new ground. They are really just alternatives yeah. to other, frankly, better, more up to date vehicles. Right, and and the, uh, of those three, the Eclipse Cross is the newest. And yeah, really about the only thing that makes it stand out is aggressive styling that mm, kind of, I don't know if it fully lands. There's probably some people that like it, but the, I think uh, the quirky looks are, are not a particular selling point. It's interesting yeah. how a manufacturer's portfolio gets like this, what, what, what determines what is sold in what market. But Mitsubishi sold 120,000 vehicles here last year in the U.S. and North America. They sold 350,000 in 2002. In 2002, they sold the Diamante, which was a premium midsize sedan, the Eclipse, which was a sporty coupe, the Galant, which was a midsize sedan, uh, the Lancer, which was a compact sedan, the Mirage, which was a subcompact car, the Montero, which was a premium midsize crossover, really an SUV, and then the Montero Sport, which was a smaller SUV. It was a really full, well-rounded lineup, and they sold a lot of vehicles. And now I don't think anyone identifies anything with Mitsubishi. Mm-hmm. Right. They, no, they, they and- really lost they, – they lost the last – I mean, not that you can, you can build a, a brand – uh, solely on enthusiast vehicles, but when you know when the Eclipse was still like a four-cylinder, it had a strong kind of uh, reputation with the import tuner crowd, and then it went to V6 right. only, which sort of diminished that uh, group's affection for it. And then, of course, the Evo, the yeah. uh, all-wheel drive rally-bred uh, Lancer, that has long been an enthusiast darling, but that's been gone. Oh, was the last one 2016? Something already, like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's so been a few years. Right. And then and well, then they kind of they kind of bungled the electric vehicle thing too. They were they were pioneers yeah. in electric vehicles in the US with the IMEV, and then they never went anything with that. They never improved the range, they never introduced a larger vehicle. Uh, and that kind of just just lingered and withered as as things like the Volt and the Bolt and the Leaf came out. Jill, you wanted to say something? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, so first, I, I, I think that Mitsubishi started to, to go downhill a little bit when they left, um, like when the Evo went away. I feel like that was kind of the, sure. the death knell and the beginning of the end. Um, but, but the other interesting thing is when you look at this story from Automotive News, you know, they don't necessarily say where they're, where they're not going to be, but they kind of talk a little bit about where they want to focus. And I figure that it's probably interesting to note that they talk about Southeast Asia and Oceania. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. But um, and I don't know about you, but I actually had to Google that. I was like, "What in the heck is Oceania?" Uh, apparently, geography not a strong suit. And uh, but that's that's around Australia, and and the islands uh, around Australia. Hmm. So they're looking at Southeast Asia and Australia. That's yeah, where they, they want to grow. They're strong in, in Indonesia and Thailand and places like that. These sort of secondary markets are often referred to as emerging markets. And I think that's where they're going to concentrate because I think that's where they can turn a profit. Yeah. They can do some volume in the U.S., but I think that with incentives, it's not volume worth chasing. Uh, it's interesting to know, yeah. too, that there is the Nissan Renault Mitsubishi Alliance, which is yet to be um, uh, yeah. as a partnership or, or, or a merger. But uh, the stated purpose of that is for Nissan to cover the United States and Japan, yeah. for Renault to cover Europe. And then, and then, as you mentioned, for Mitsubishi to cover uh, Southeast Asia and Oceania. So that's where that's going. And I'm pretty sure that this, this slowdown um, or pullback, as they call it in the U.S., is probably ultimately a full retreat and that Mitsubishi is probably not going to be in the U.S. much longer. Yeah, well, you know, and it's Do ironic wanna... because as I was looking through, I, I, I file all of my emails. I still have a file folder for Suzuki. You want to talk <laughs> about a brand that has not been in the United States for a while, but uh, so maybe I need to clean that out. <laughs> hmm. Tom, do you want? Uh, do you uh, feel confident enough to uh, make a prediction? Are we talking a year from now, two years from now? Let's. Um, uh, yeah, I'll go on record and say no. Twenty twenty two. Uh, Mitsubishi's in the U.S. Okay. I will write that down. 
We will mark it in your calendar. <laughs> All right. All right, kids, we should get going. Um, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Larry Newton of the Auto Channel. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. All right, this is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide Automotive. Thanks for sticking around. Hey, this is the part of the show where I encourage you strongly to give me a follow on Twitter. I am car underscore guy underscore Tom. That's car guy Tom on Twitter. I promise to entertain you. All right, our first guest today is a mechanical engineer who spent lots of years with Volkswagen. Today, he is the Chicago correspondent for the Auto Channel. Uh, he is also an officer with the Midwest Automotive Media Association. Welcome to the show, Larry Newton. Hi, everybody. Thanks for having me. Great to be here today. Thanks for being here, Larry. So, Larry, you, you're a busy guy, uh, but you recently found time to hang out with your wife on a road trip in the Cadillac XT6, which is probably a wonderful way to test drive a vehicle. A little extra time, a little more relaxed. Uh, tell us about your rest, a little bit about what you learned. Yeah, we, we, my wife and I needed a break. Uh, she's been working for feverishly all through this COVID thing relative to the business she works for. Um, and we just needed to get away. And, and like many Americans, um, taking, taking a road trip with a car is the way to go right now. Um, fortunately, I was able to be driving a Cadillac XC6 uh, for the benefit of everybody. Uh, this is Cadillac's new three-row, seven-seat, uh, big, biggest uh, uh, SUV just below the Cadillac Escalade. Uh, for those of you folks with really big families who need Escalades. Um, and we tra we traveled down to, to the Smoky Mountains in Tennessee from our home in Chicago, which basically is from Chicago towards Indianapolis to Louisville, Kentucky. And then you hang a left and go across the state to Lexington. And then you hang a right and go down I-75 to get into Tennessee. Um, actually, it was kind of like taking the XT6 back to its what I call born state. The XT6 is made in Spring Hill, Tennessee. Um, and I think it wanted to go. I think it wanted to go back home again, but I wouldn't let it. You know? we just, we just, which is which is the other direction from where we wanted to go. Um, the inter the interesting thing about an XD XD six is it provides lots of comfort on the road. Um, and everybody's got different definitions of comfort. Um, I'm a medium medium build kind of a guy, ten, five foot ten. Uh, my wife is similarly a medium build lady, about five foot four. Okay, I mean it's just the two of us. And you might say, well, why do you need a three row, seven seat SUV to go on a road trip? Well, um, there's a lot that comes along with that. Um, we didn't have a lot of cargo, a lot of luggage. Although I am, I will say we're guilty of when you're driving a car. Oh, let's take this, let's take that. You know, you can bring a little bit more just in case. Um, so there's plenty, plenty of luggage space way in the back. And we did like what I personally think most three-row SUV drivers do is you fold down the back seat because you really want that three-row SUV for the cargo space behind the second row. Um, and I lived that many years ago with my two daughters when, you know, there was four of us, but I had three-row SUVs um, to have the cargo space. Um, and the, the car, the car does a great job. The car, I, I use the word car for everything these days. Uh, it does a great, it's a great vehicle on the highway. As we all um, should start doing. Yes. <laughs> Say that again, Tom. I said, as we all should start doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the really nice things about the XD6 is the refinement in the in the cabin. Uh, I'm a little bit of a fanatic on NVH, noise, vibration, as harshness. The cabin is nicely quiet. You can enjoy the audio system. You can have a nice conversation, okay? And by the way, my wife is working all the way. So she's on the phone having business conversations. Um, another nice plus of the Cadillac is it's got 4G Wi-Fi. She was very happy yeah. to be connected to the uh -huh. Internet to be able to use her laptop. She sits in the front seat with a laptop on her lap, um, and I would hesitate. Do, do not do this at home, okay? But anyway, 
driving down the road with the laptop on her lap, doing work and having phone conversations, and it works really great with the 4G Wi-Fi. Um, Hmm. And yeah, occasionally we take a break. Let's listen to some tunes. Apple CarPlay is available. My wife's got some great playlists on her phone. Uh, she's got a really good playlist of Rolling Stones, so we enjoyed them for a while, um, you know, going along the highway. Um, so let's talk about the performance of this thing. Uh, I drove a sport model, which is all-wheel drive, although we didn't need all-wheel drive in this mild summer weather. Um 310 horsepower V6 and a nine-speed automatic, and the wonderful opportunity on a road trip is to measure fuel economy. Um, sure. the, the trip down is about 570 miles each way. Um, going down, I got 26.3. Coming back, we got oh, 26.8. Wow. And the EPA rating highway is 24. Yeah, you beat it. Um, so yeah. in, in both cases, I beat the EPA rating. Um, I will admit I'm not a hypermiler, okay? You know, time is time is of the essence here. Let's keep moving. Um, but you know, given given summertime travel, uh, and if anybody knows I-65 coming down from the Chicago area towards Indianapolis, oh, yeah. pack full of pack full of semi trucks, right, Jill? Um, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So you're, you are often on and off the throttle, slowing down to 60 miles an hour as one semi-truck passes another semi-truck, and then you accelerate back up to the speed limit. Um, and as you get over into Kentucky and Tennessee, well, we're climbing up into the Smoky Mountains. And eventually, at some points in time, you're crossing over 2,000-foot elevation. Um, and, you know... You, Picture the semi-truck going up a steep grade with its four-way flashes on. It's going 40 miles an hour, and you're trying to come by it at 65 miles an hour. Um, and then there's a curve in the freeway. So you've got to be attentive and careful. And dynamically, the XT6 does a really nice job in handling in handling the roadway. Uh, that's for sure. Um, so, yeah, we had, a, we, had a, we had a great little drive. It was really comfortable. Um, I, th- I think... The conversation my wife and I had about, suppose we were continuous road trippers, and we're not, but suppose you were, um, uh-huh. what kind of vehicle would you really buy, you know, to accommodate that need? Um, and what I'm suggesting here, and feel free to jump in, is you might not have something that you need for every day around home, especially in Chicago, but might step up a little bit to get a greater level of comfort on the highway. Um so I would say you don't really, if you only need a small compact car in Chicago, let me say it that way, which is all I would need, my wife and I would need. On the highway, you need to step up to a higher level of equipment, a more premium automobile, which gives you the greater level of comfort. You know, uh, everything has a cost, as I would say. Um, so for me, the Cadillac was really a very, the Cadillac XT6 was a really comfortable vehicle. Um, for this road trip and performed wonderfully for us, um, very, very satisfactorily. Um, the, the only thing I missed on the car, and I'm not saying I needed it, I couldn't find any co- cooled front seats. And from what I figured out, I don't uh-huh. think they're available. I don't think they're oh. available, although I will say I didn't really need them. Um, and, you know, feeling comfortable in a vehicle when you've got the high summer sun is relative to the amount of sunlight falling on your body. It's not so much the ambient temperature in the vehicle, but the sunlight on your body. So you need to try to cool the whole body. Um, yeah. I like to tweak the power seat a little bit, especially on long trips, because it actually changes your muscle positions a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Susan, Susan's passenger seat was only six-way. My driver's seat was eight-way. She would have liked to be able to uh-huh. tweak the, ang- the angle of the seat bottom, okay? Um, but that that wasn't possible. Um, the other the other thing I wa- the other thing I wanted to mention is I'm not a big time cruise control user. They have their place. This this XT6 did not have adaptive cruise. Well, I really didn't miss that. I like to let me say, control my own destiny. Okay, let me say it that way. Um, <laughs> and I and I think I think I can drive I can drive smoother than with cruise control. But there are many places where um, 
a long stretch of open highway, not too many cars on the road. Cruise control is actually really wonderful, okay? Nice to have. Uh, and especially when then you can, you know, lift your right foot off the throttle pedal and, you know, move that leg around a little bit to relax it, relax it on a long road trip. Um, you know, we plan breaks. You always have to have a biological break. Uh, there's always need for a gasoline stop. Um, and then we brought lunch with us to eat along the roadway, not wanting to go into any restaurants, given this COVID situation we're in right now. Um, right. So, you know, um, I think all of you guys have driven the XT6. Am I right? Yeah. And, and Larry, to, to your point about NVH, Damon and I have had this conversation a couple of times about the XT6. And on paper, the XT6 is not a very compelling vehicle. Um, the, the General Motors 3.6 liter V6 is good. The nine speed automatic is good. But we've seen this stuff before. It's really execution. And, and I think the XT6 has been getting a raw deal from a lot of automotive reviewers. It, it, it's more than the sum of its parts. It's, and it, it's really an NVH. Uh, noise, vibration, and harshness kind of triumph. This vehicle is very quiet. It is very composed in terms of ride. The interior is very roomy, um, and it's got a very bright, airy cabin. And I think it's a success in the places where I think a lot of shoppers will determine that this is a kind of vehicle they like if they test drive it. It's not fast. It doesn't advertise 400 horsepower like the Lincoln Aviator. It's not dramatically styled. In fact, the styling is just kind of a little bit contrived, but it, it's 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 good where it needs to be good, and and your fuel economy is a nice bonus, I think. Yeah, and I agree with yeah. you. It's good where it needs to be good. Um, uh, you talked about the light, bright interior. This one happened to have a combination of cirrus, referring to a cloud, white cloud and black. So it was very bright on the inside, uh, easy to see things, and I prefer a brighter, lighter interior. Uh, Tom, you mentioned the powertrain. We don't give enough credit to transmissions for what they do for the powertrain today. The nine-speed transmission on the, on the XC6 is really nice, okay? Um, yeah, and with, without that transmission, the engine would not get that fuel consumption, okay? It would not happen, okay? Um, so the transmission is actually a really important part of getting good fuel economy uh, these days. And, you know, we see seven, eight, nine-speed, ten-speed transmissions on the, on the different vehicles we drive, and they're all a big contributor to... Um, the overall performance of the vehicle. Uh, transmissions are <laughs> improved tremendously from the old three speeds, okay? That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Just getting yeah. getting back to, to what Tom said, what it is, I, I was pleasantly surprised by the XT6 when I first drove it, but that may have been just because my initial expectations were so low. Uh, because again, yes, on paper, uh, and as, as I recall, Cadillac launched this vehicle with very relatively little fanfare. And the the styling was kind of one of the first where there was that uh, drawback from the harder edged, more ambitious Cadillac art and science look, which I think kind of was a little bit perplexing. Uh, but this might we we Tom, we've had the discussion many times about the traditional old school Cadillac buyer that right. you know. With the way things have changed so much over the past 20 years or so is probably more difficult to reach. You know, maybe the the Florida uh, retiree that springs for the gold package, <laughs> like like that older traditional customer. And I'm wondering if this XT6 might be the best vehicle in Cadillac's lineup for those buyers, in part because it is a little... Um, they, they didn't really swing for the fences from a design standpoint. Um, and, and there are no marquee technologies. In fact, it's a little bit disappointing that they didn't launch it with the Super Cruise feature, especially based on our, yeah. our, our yeah. show last week where we talked about the, the latest version. That would seem that, uh, that I'm sure it's going to be coming eventually. A little odd that they didn't launch with it. But, yeah, it is a case of one of those vehicles where nothing on the spec sheet uh, and nothing in the, the technology list, it's not a flagship, it's not at the forefront of, of pioneering any, you know, really uh, groundbreaking new technologies, but everything kind of fits and works together uh, and, and it's, you get behind the wheel and it just feels kind of comfortable and non-challenging in, in the best way. 
over, overall, it's a very nice vehicle. Um, you know, there's there's so, there's actually I was just going there's no bad cars on the market today, which is a wonderful thing for the consumer. You know, the days of the Yugo are gone, uh, so there's kind of no bad no bad choice. Okay, um, and if you if you think about uh, the purchase of a vehicle, the individual buying it has to fit well in the car, and I think the four of us are really good examples of that of that situation. Um, <laughs> uh, Jill being not too tall, Damon being <laughs> six foot six, I think. Uh, we, Tom being yeah, we, we cover a broad right. percentile range for we, sure. We, we, we <laughs> yes, we do. I think we but, cover them but all. But you, if you think of if you think of a pro football player or a pro basketball player player, they only can fit in certain vehicles, so they're restricted in terms of what they can buy. Um, and similarly, Jill. I think you have to be careful if you are buying a car to get something that really fits you appropriately to, so that you're not yeah. in, an, in a compromised, unsafe seating position because of yeah. your stature, you know? Um, it's really yeah. important. Um, yeah. And that's why we have these ranges of vehicles. Um, yeah. Tom, so Tom, you talk about this fitting a cross-section of Cadillac buyers. Uh, yeah. it's, it's certainly per- perfect for an empty nester family. Um, you know, and I know of parents, parents who are who are now grandparents, and they own an SUV because their children live only an airplane flight away, and everybody's got to come by airplane. So they have to have an SUV to haul the family around when they come to visit. Even grandparents own own their own child seats to accommodate the little babies. So right. it, it kind of fits in, kind of fits in for everybody. Um, let me let me say it that way. Yeah. And I I mean, as you pointed out, Larry, you know, because we all are different sizes, I mean, we we definitely look at vehicles very differently. And I I haven't spent as much time with you guys in the XT6, um, but I, I did drive it briefly and I... I'm, I am one of those journalists who really wasn't too much of a fan. So, I mean, my question for you, because you, you seem not necessarily effusive, but you seem to be like in favor of this vehicle. I want to know what your favorite thing about the XT6 was. My favorite thing about the XT6, uh, my wife, my wife loved the 4G Wi-Fi. That's for sure. Um, okay. You know, I was, I was really, I was really happy wife, happy life. Yeah, I was really, I was really pleased with the fuel economy. Okay, plus you also right. have really good performance, three hundred and ten horsepower. You know, everybody should not be driving a zero to sixty four second car. Not at all. They're dangerous. No. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. A, a zero to sixty in six six and a half seconds is really all the average consumer should should have. Um, maybe that's even too much. Um, and and with the wonderfulness of the so many gears with the nine speed transmission, the engine performs performs admiral admirably um you know so i over i like the overall driving experience uh you know of the vehicle um it and it's you know some of the competitors have more wow factor to them um i can think of the soft closed door handles on the lincoln uh right, uh, Aviator. right? Aviator. aviator middle aviator. long one aviator yeah. so yeah, yeah for example something like that I would have liked to have a, a lower seat cushion thigh extension. Okay, uh, I like those uh, to pull out, pull that, pull them out, and support your leg below the knees. Uh, but it didn't have it. But I was fine. The bottom cushion was long enough. Having the power seat, I could tweak the seat position slightly along the way to change my body position. I like doing that. Um, the Cadillac has this uh, rear rear camera, rear view mirror. I know I lo- I have the definite. The definition wrong of, of uh, it. Um, oh, the rear camera. Uh, but mirror. anyway, it's it, it, it's it's the it's the camera that shows the, the view to the rear in the rearview mirror yeah. when your back seat is full of full of bobbing heads. You know, um, it it did have that. And actually, I want to point something out for Jill. It does have idle stop start with uh. a disable <laughs> switch with a disable switch. And I have okay. to yeah, but it's, it's a good system. Control. Yeah, Cad- Cadillac even calls out the fact that it has a disable switch on the Monroney label, okay, to make sure you know that. So this is still right up your alley. Okay? It's, it's, it's the Jill note, just for Jill. All right. It is, just for Jill. So anyway. Okay, kids, we're on the clock out here. 
we run the clock out here, but I, I do want to point out that I agree with Larry on most points. This is, and, and Damon actually, that this is kind of an overlooked car. I think this, the Cadillac XT6, not flashy, um, not that sporty, but but really good where it counts for people who, who want something that is comfortable and, and perfect for long rides. Larry, thank you for joining us today. Where is the best place for the kids to keep track of you in social media? You can find me on Twitter at, at one Chicago Car Guy. You also can find me on Facebook uh, at Chicago Car Guy. Uh, and I'm also on Instagram uh, at, at Chicago Car Guy. So have a look around, okay? Will do. Larry today. Thanks very much. Yes, Larry Newton of the Auto Channel, one great guy to follow. Uh, talking about <laughs> the Canada XT6. We will be back right after this break. Thanks. Welcome back to the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast. All right, this is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff Podcast, and I am Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guide. Thank you for sticking around. Hey, Jill. Hey, Tom. You do that social media stuff? I do do that social media stuff. If someone wanted to check out social media and maybe more specifically check out you on social media, how would they do that? Uh, well, pretty easily, actually. I am, well, kind of easily. I'm Jill Simonello. Simonello is not the easy part. Um, but Jill Simonello, uh, C-I-M-I-N-I-L-L-O, uh, all one word, and pretty much on every social medium that is out there. Social media, I guess I should say. So Twitter, Instagram, uh, YouTube, you can find me in those places. Sounds good. Hey, Damon, same question to you. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Damon Bell Likes Cars. I had a pretty good car spotter week last week. I, I was on a bike ride. Yes, you and did. I found <clears throat> I was on I was exploring some of the more remote nooks and crannies of my uh, suburban Chicago uh, stomping grounds, and I was pedaling through some neighborhoods that I hadn't been in before. I found a '50s Packard, uh, and I found one street where there was four kind of vintage Cadillacs, uh, all parked uh, on the same street within a couple hundred feet of each other. And I'm assuming they were all owned by the same person. And I would wager that that person is probably not all that popular with his neighbors. Because he's taking up all the spots on the street? <laughs> yeah. And there was a, it was a, a, a 70 Coupe de Ville or Sedan de Ville, I think, and, and maybe like a 74 or 5 Cooper Sedan de Ville. I can't remember exactly. They were... They were uh, in unrestored condition, so I could see where some neighbors might find them something of an eyesore, but I thought they were pretty cool. So it, it's it's not as bad as a refrigerator and couch collection on your front lawn, but it, it's close. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Hey, kids, it's quiz time. Hope you're ready. Uh-oh. Hey. All right. The Car Stuff Power Quiz is brought to you by uh, Consumer Guide Automotive. Uh <laughs> Jill, Jill, you should be more enthusiastic than that because you've yeah. nailed it the past two weeks. I'm the one that should be. Uh... Oh, well, right. you know, I, 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 I'm trying to mask my enthusiasm and and give you energy so that that maybe you can win this one. That I can that I can pull up my performance. Okay. Yes. Uh, who goes first this week? I can never remember. It, I'll, I'll go. I can I'll, never remember I can either. I think it might be Jill. Yeah. All right. Jill goes first this week. The topic is 2019 auto sales in America. I think we're double dipping on this topic, but I'm doing it a little bit differently this week. Uh, Jill, we'll just start with you. And question one, which okay. sold better in 2019? That's calendar year 2019. Was it the Chevrolet Spark or the Mitsubishi Mirage? <laughs> um, oh, I'm going to I'm going to go with the Chevrolet Spark, you know, based on right. our earlier conversation about the Mirage. How about you, Damon? Oh, man, that's a tough one. Mm. Uh, I'm going to just to be interesting, I'm going to disagree with Jill and say Mirage. Oh, you should have agreed with her. Ah. The Spark was good for 31,281 vehicles last year. The Mirage for 26,966. So fairly yeah, healthy. Off on a bad Spark. foot. Yeah, yeah, Jill gets one. Okay, Damon, which sold better in calendar year 2019? Was it the entire mini brand 
or the entire Jaguar brand. Oh man, that is a. Oh. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say mini. All right, Jill. Yeah, I'm gonna agree with that. You are both correct. Uh, Mini accounted for 36,000 cars last year, Jaguar 31,000. So a 5,000 car lead by Mini. All right, so that's Jill 2, Damon 1. Question 3, this goes to Jill. Which sold better in calendar year 2019? Was it the Cadillac brand or the Lincoln brand? Ooh, um, that's that's a tough one. and I'm, I'm probably going to be a little bit biased with my answer here because um, I think Lincoln should have sold better. So I'm going to say Lincoln. All right, Damon. I, I think I'm going to agree. I'm going to say Lincoln as well. Both wrong. Cadillac actually had a healthy Ooh, lead, wow. 156,000 really? to 112,000. Really? That, yeah. That much, huh? Well, good on them. <laughs> they needed a they needed a boost. Well, we'll see what happens. There's a lot of new Lincoln product that's sort of stretching its legs this year. Although yeah. this is a strange year, so who knows if it matters. Awesome. All right, sure. Damon, which sold better in calendar year 2019? Was it the BMW i3 or the Subaru BRZ? I got to go with BRZ there. All right. That is a weird comparison. (laughs) Um, You know, for giggles, I will say the i3. Yeah, well, those giggles just paid off. Jill is now... Really? Oh, my God. BMW i3, 4,854. Subaru BRZ, just 2,334. Ah, that's it, huh? Wow. Okay, Damon, you've already lost... Uh, but we're still in question five. Uh, this question goes to Jill because she started. Uh, which okay. sold better in calendar year 2019, Jill? Was it the Nissan Rogue or the Toyota Camry? Ooh, I'm going to go Camry. Damon? Mm, I would, Just for the heck of it, I'll say Rogue. Okay, Damon gets this one. They're, this one was very oh. close. Okay. It was Nissan Rogue, 350000 Toyota Camry, 337000 oh, So, Jill, okay. four to two. I think this is your fourth week in a row with a victory. I, yeah, I thought it was more like the 20th, but okay. Sure, fourth, 20th, whichever. Well, you know. Actually, you right. won the Edsel quiz. So uh, that's right. Um, so this question goes to Damon first. This is the bonus round, which counts for nothing this week. But I think Damon mm-hmm. will enjoy this question. Uh, Damon, which sold better in calendar year 2019, the Chevrolet SS or the Chrysler Town and Country? Oh, wow. <laughs> also a peculiar match. Talk about so we're, so we're talking about new old stock. <laughs> yes, we are. And very SS low number. And, yeah. SS and, and the Chrysler, Chrysler Town and Country. country. Yeah. I, I will say the Town and Country. All right. Jill? Uh, and I will say the SS. Okay. Damon wins uh, five to two. The Chrysler Town and Country, which uh, departed after the 2016 model year. Somehow five new vehicles were sold last year. Oh, that's funny. And the Chevrolet SS, which was last sold new in 2017, two new vehicles sold last year. Uh, huh. I, my my logic there, my logic there was the there had to be some weird uh, fleet uh, clear out or something. Uh, so the there's got to be zero SSs that ever made it into fleets, but uh, town and countries there are probably still uh, fleet uh, sales for that. Yeah. So. Weird stuff. A special thanks to Automotive News, uh, who publishes all this information. Uh, it's good stuff to find out. And thanks for tracking sales of the Chevrolet SS. <laughs> <laughs> That's diligent work. They found those two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, Damon, uh, what's going on at the blog? Uh, we've got our, our normal roster of uh, vehicle reviews, uh, including a vehicle that we had talked about uh, previously on the show. That's the 2020 Genesis G90. Uh, again, kind of following that format of a cosmetic refresh, uh, 
with uh, carryover underpinnings, but this one is an effective one because it's got uh, significant uh, styling updates that not everybody's on board with, uh, but uh, yeah. uh, for better or worse, it's certainly the, the new look is much more distinctive than the G90 was before. So we've got a full test drive review on that. Yeah, about, um, about that styling real quick. I think you guys remember a conversation that I've talked about that I had with someone at Lexus. And, and it may have been in a presentation, maybe it wasn't a conversation, that the radical Lexus grill, which has been called the cow catcher and all sorts of weird things, that is super polarizing. The Lexus people love it because they said if, if yeah. people are talking about us, that's great. Yep. And not everyone loves yep. the Lexus thing, but Lexus sales are as strong as they've ever been. And for the first time ever, no one can call Genesis styling derivative. It is very mm -hmm. specifically theirs. They own it. And, and God bless them for taking a chance. I, yeah. I remember a, a, a Lexus representative talking to a, a Lexus representative, and and he explained their the logic behind that styling, and he said we like to have a design that creates a conversation. There you go. So that's a great way to put it. Uh, yes. And and so yeah. So so in terms of and speaking of uh, jumping back to uh, Chrysler minivans, we've got a, a quick spin review of the 2020 Chrysler Pacifica Hybrid Limited. That's a plug-in hybrid minivan mm -hmm. which used to be well currently is the only hybrid minivan but that will change when the redesigned 2021 toyota sienna uh mm -hmm. is released this uh later this year uh, also another hybrid we've got the 2020 hyundai sonata hybrid uh that's a, a great uh mid-size redesigned mid-size sedan that uh, the hybrid version launched shortly after the uh, regular version, so an interesting alternative to the uh, Accord, Honda Accord and Toyota Camry hybrids. Uh, we've got a quick spin review of the Dodge, or I'm sorry, the Ram 1500 Rebel with the new for 2020 Eco Diesel engine. And finally, mm -hmm. we've got uh, a gallery of classic convertible ads uh, called Drop Top Madness. That's what we've got on the blog this week. All sorts of good stuff. Well, kids, I don't know how we did it, but we ran out of town, uh, ran out of time again. I don't know. I don't know where the time goes. I think you talk too much, Tom. That my mother <laughs> says, though. I think my mother, my wife, and my daughter agree with you on that. So uh, next week, Damon will have to do more talking. All right. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff podcast. <laughs> thanks for joining us this week. Special thanks to our guest, Larry Newton of the Auto Channel. Thanks, as always, to producer Paul and the good folks at WCPT AM 820 in Chicago. Thank you, Jill Silvanello. Thank you, Damon Bell. And thank you to my radio mentors, Steve and Johnny. You guys are the best. This is the Consumer Guide Car Stuff podcast. Let's chat about cars again next week.